Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 18. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Jesus said, listen, if your brother sins against you, go tell him. Don't leave the church. Might I add something? Listen and listen close. Don't even pray about it. What, Rodney? Don't even pray about it? Nope. I am sorry. That is not what the Bible says. And I have heard that a hundred thousand times. Well, you know, I had an offense and you know what I did? I just took it to the Lord in prayer. And I just decided I'm just going to pray about it and leave it alone. Can I tell you something? I had a counseling appointment just last week, and somebody told me that very same thing. And I told him, I said, do you know that's unbiblical? You show me one place in the Bible where it says, if you have an offense against your brother, then go pray about it. Now, don't misunderstand me. Do I think you need to pray? (laughs) Absolutely. Do I think you need to, as you are making your appointment, to go privately to the person in confidence, say, Lord, give me the words, give me grace, let me speak the truth in love, God, I want to love them, I want to restore them, we'll talk about it in a second, absolutely. But do I think you need to just pray about it and leave it with the Lord? Because, you know, I just prayed about it and I just left it with the Lord and I just, that is not what the Bible says. And can I tell you something that is deceitful? Why? Because you leave a root of bitterness in your heart. There is some, I don't care if you're 8 or 80. I don't care if your offense is somebody at school in junior high or somebody at work at IBM or somebody at church. The fact is that root of bitterness just gets so deep in your heart. And you know what? It's never going to be ripped up and dug out until you go to that person and say, you know what? Hey, I, man, you offended me. And I want to tell you how. Or, I think you're in sin, bro. And here's why the Bible says. See, that's the freeing thing. That's why Jesus makes it clear what we're supposed to do. Now, we don't do this. And because we don't do this, there are many, many, many problems in the church. You know what? I think it was in geometry. I was talking to my wife about this in geometry, of which I was asleep for in school. But I did wake up long enough to learn that the shortest distance between two points is what? A straight line. Yay, I got it right. A straight line. And you, and you know, Jesus knows that. That's why he's telling us the shortest way to handle a situation when you're offended is to go straight to the person that offended you and tell him his fault. That literally means to bring it to light so that neither one of you is in darkness. And what happens is when that root of bitterness stays there, let me tell you something. What happens is when the root of bitterness stays there and you don't go to that person, you know what happens is you start to gossip about that person. I told you, say out your amen, it's going to get ugly. You start to gossip about that person. And let me tell you something about gossip. The Bible has a lot to say about gossip. And it's all bad. 
Every bit of it. You know, it reminds me of this story of these uh, ministers who decided to begin to pray together and hold each other accountable. And so they got together for the very first time. And the first minister says, brothers, you know, I, I got to confess my sin to you. For years I've been struggling with temptation and pornography, and I really need you to pray for me because I want to be delivered, he said. Well, then the next minister, he says, guys, you know, I got to confess, too. I, I've been struggling with alcohol for years. Many times on Monday, I'd go out and I would just get smashed and I feel so terrible about it. I need you to pray for me. Well, then the third minister said, well, fellas, my struggle is that I love the gossip and I can't wait to get out of here to tell everyone <laughs> gossip. Now, that's funny. But gossip isn't. Do you know that gossip is one of the most destructive things that occurs, that happens in the church today? It is destructive. It is hurtful. And once gossip spreads, it's out there and it's gone. See, this is the danger of gossip. You can't ever recover it, even when you go back and say you're sorry. Even when you ask for forgiveness, do you realize you cannot really recover the, gosp- the, the gossip? This is Yiddish folklore. Offers a telling tale about people who gossip. One such man had told so many malicious untruths about a local rab- rabbi that he was overcome by remorse and he begged the rabbi to forgive him. He said, Rabbi, tell me, how can I make amends? Well, the rabbi sighed. Take two pillows, go to the public square, cut the pillows open. Wave them in the air and then come back. Well, the man quickly went home, got two pillows and a knife, ran to the public square, cut the pillows open, waved them in the air, and he ran back as quickly as he could to the rabbi's chamber. Rabbi, I did just what you said. The rabbi said, good. And then he smiled. Now, to realize how much harm is done by gossip, go back to the square. And and the boy said, and? And? And the man interrupted him and said, collect all the feathers. I think that's telling. You can't. And so once gossip is spread, you can't recover. And that's why taking notes, Proverbs 619, six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. And one of them is a false witness, one who speaks lies. First Peter chapter four, verse 15 reads this. But let none of you suffer as a murderer a thief or an evildoer or a busybody in other men's matters. Do you know that word busybody sounds just like what it is? Some people are just busybodies. They're just going around people to people, flower to flower, getting the gossip nectar. Oh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Juicy stuff. What's the juicy news? What's the latest news? You know what? I tell you what. I told my wife this the other day. I said, honey, whenever I hear gossip and I hear one person's name or some core group of people's name in the midst of the gossip, generally, those are the people you need to be suspect of. It's true. Some people just into other people's business. 
and spreading lies and spreading gossip. And here's the problem with gossip. I don't know that the problem is really with the gossiper, although God has much to say to that. But the problem is really with the person who entertains the gossip, who listens to the gossip, and then goes and spreads the gossip. Now, therein lies the problem. It's the person who takes the gossip and spreads it. You know, it's, it's in Proverbs 26.20. It says, where no wood is, there the fire goes out. So where there is no tail bearer, the strife ceases. You see, if somebody comes to you and gossips about somebody else, well, that is a problem. Don't misunderstand me. But it is also a problem in that you listen to it and then you go and you tell it to somebody else as if it is truth, as if it is fact. That's the problem. You know what you do when somebody comes to you? What do you do, Rodney? What do I do when people come to me? And you know what? Here's something else. Some folks, now, 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 we family. Are we family? Say amen if we're family. Y- yes, we are. Even if you're a visitor, we just include you. Some people, they just know who to go to and spread the gossip. They just know. It's something innate in them. They hone in on the person. Oh, I can tell gossip to them. How do they know that? You just know the person that you can tell the gossip to because you know they'll listen. You see, what do you do when somebody comes and tries to share gossip with you? You know what you do? You just tell them, just say, you know what? Hey, stop right there. Matthew 18, 15. And they go, but I want to... Matthew 18, 50, but I got to ask you to pray about it with me. Matthew 18, 15. And if they continue, I mean, some people, they just have to share the gospel. I mean, it's just in them. They just got to come out. They just got to. You know what you do? You just stand there and stare at them. Don't say a word. Oh, yeah, it will be awkward. It will be very awkward. But you just stand there and you just stare at them. And if you stare at them long enough and you don't say a word, hopefully they'll get it. And even if they don't get it at that point, you know what you do? Just start yelling and screaming and running away. Just go, ah! Ah! And what will happen is they'll think you're crazy. They'll never come gossip to you again. I don't know. I'm just trying to help. You see, just, 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 just lose your mind. Then they'll think you're crazy. They'll never come gossip to you again. I mean, you got to do something. Now, notice Jesus says in your text, look at it again in your Bibles. He says, after you go to the person, notice this here. If he hears you, look at verse 15. If he hears you, you have gained a brother. You see, this is the purpose of Matthew 15. This is the purpose of, of confronting your brother. You know what it is? It's to gain a brother. If he hears you, you have gained a brother in two ways. First of all, the problem has been cleared up, it's been resolved, and you're walking in love. Secondly, you've gained him because you have not wronged your brother by gossiping about him. The point in confronting him is not to give him a piece of your mind. Some folks, they've given away so many pieces of their mind, they don't have anything left. We all know people like that. It's like, no. That's not the point. 
The point is to gain your brother. Your desire should be to restore your brother. Proverbs 1130. He who is wise wins souls. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, notice this, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Notice if you are spiritual, restore such a one. It doesn't say reveal such a one. You know, brother, we need to pray. Did you hear about this? It doesn't say remind such a one. Do you remember when you did this? It doesn't say rebuke such a one, but restore such a one. In the Greek language, you're taking notes in your Bibles, you you can write this. The word restore literally means to mend the broken bones. Isn't that great? We are to mend the broken bones. It's actually like a a surgical term. We're, We're to be spiritual doctors. We're to mend the body, to mend the broken bones, not try to find out and reveal and rebuke people. Why is it that the church is the only organization on the planet that shoots their their wounded? Man, we find out somebody has sinned and we're like, oh, I can't believe they're in sin. Pastor Ronnie, they're in sin and the church has done nothing about it. Well, the church knows nothing about it. And even if we did know something about it, we certainly would not come to them with that kind of attitude. We're not to be sin sniffers in the gospel Gestapo, walking around with our little travel-sized sinometers. Who's in sin? Like the Geiger counter for coins or something, whatever that thing is. Finding out who's sinned in the church. That's not the Lord. He didn't do that to us. You know what he did? He loved us. He died for us. He stretched out his arms for us, even while we were yet sinners. If you understand what I'm saying, say amen. If we, even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for Rodney. He didn't condemn me. He didn't even remind me. He didn't say, Rodney, you know what? You are a sinner, but don't you ever forget it. I died for you. He didn't do that. And we do that to each other in the church. We shouldn't gossip about people and condemn people, but restore people. And this is when, if you're really spiritual, then then this is the way to really be spiritual. We think people are really spiritual if they speak in tongues, or they're really spiritual if they have some spiritual gift, or they do something great in the church. Listen, if you're really spiritual, you will be a person who restores someone who is in sin. Now, that's true spirituality. And oftentimes people are claiming to be spiritual, but there's no love. There's no love. That's not spirituality at all. That's immaturity. We should restore. Now, if a person refuses to hear you when you come to him in confidence, look in your Bibles again in verse 16. After you go to him in confidence and it works, great. You've gained a brother. God is well pleased. But what if it doesn't work when you go to him in confidence? Well, then you go to him with a confidant. Did you notice that? Take one or two more with you. Now, is this for intimidation? No, you're like, oh, man, that's a bummer. 
Oh, no, it's not for intimidation. Again, restoration. Go get some friends who have the same heart of wanting to see the person restored. The friends who, who go with you, you know, they love him too. And they care about him too. Go, don't, get, don't go get somebody to go with you who has an ought against him also. Because that'll you put him under the interrogation light and he won't feel loved. He won't feel restored. He'll feel condemned because you'll both be jumping all over him. That's not the point. Go get somebody who has the heart of restoration. And while they're there, confront him with two or, or one or two more. And then they can be in prayer while you're talking to them. How important is that? They can be in prayer while you're talking to them. They, they can help to pray and to persuade and to serve as a witness. And notice it doesn't say in your text to take two pastors. It doesn't say two elders. It doesn't say two deacons, but two Christians. You see, if the person doesn't receive you when you come in confidence, then and he refuses you when you come with two confidants, well then notice what the Bible says. You need to go to the church or go to the congregants in verse 17. If he refuses to hear them, then take it to the church. Again, Telling it to the church isn't for public humiliation, but again, for personal restoration and reconciliation. Remember, Jesus talked about the church and has been talking about the church. At this point, the church wasn't formed officially. The church was not formed until Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came down. And so we don't have the church formed officially yet. It could be possible that Jesus is talking about just bring them to the elders, bring them to the leadership. You know, it doesn't mean bring them before the whole church in this church, bring them before a thousand people. Man, that wouldn't be a restoration. That'd be condemnation and crucifixion. No, it's very possible Jesus is talking about bring them before the elders. Here at Calvary Chapel, we have elders, we've got deacons, we've got pastors to handle church-related things. You know, I think 99% of the things that go on in church can be handled without the intervention of the church, to tell you the truth, if we obey Matthew 18. If, 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 we, if we take step one and two and they're done properly, then you'll never come to this. But oftentimes we're not obeying step one and two, and that's why they got to go before the church or go before the elders, or the person just leaves the church and never gets to this point. You know, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, it says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, which is Christ. You see, we need to speak the truth in love, but it needs the truth needs to be filtered through love. How many times has somebody come to you with the truth, but it wasn't in love? Or come to you in love, but it's not the truth. That happens. You see, you need both. Truth without love is brutality. And love without truth is hypocrisy. And then notice in verse 18 and 19 in your Bibles. Notice Jesus says again, Assuredly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now let me tell you something just shortly. This binding and loosing has nothing to do with binding and loosing evil spirits or binding and loosing the Holy Spirit. It has nothing to do with that. Again, keep the context. We're still talking about dealing with conflicts in the church and walking in love and humility and honesty with each other. So in our text, Jesus is talking about the authority that the church has in dealing with conflicts in the church. 
as well as matters where there is sin flagrantly and consistently and obnoxiously being practiced in the church. In the Greek language, this verse reads, whatever is bound in heaven is already bound on earth, and whatever is loosed in heaven is already loosed on earth. So Jesus is saying, if what is happening in the church isn't heaven-like, then bind it. If there is sin, then you have the authority to bind that sin because it isn't what's happening in the heavenlies. And loose that which is loosed in heaven. What do you loose? On that person's life who is in sin. On that person's life that you've got to confront about their fault. You loose righteousness. And you loose mercy. And you loose love and holiness. And you loose the power of God on their lives to deliver them from that sin that they might be restored and reconciled. Binding and loosing has nothing to do with evil spirits. And to even use that verse in this text is way out of context. If you understand, say amen. That's important. Very important. So we bind and loose. We lose mercy. We lose forgiveness. We lose repentance. We lose all of these things on their life that they might walk in holiness. And then Jesus says, listen, don't forget, there's a real power. Verse 19 in your Bibles, there's a real power in agreement in prayer. If any two touch and agree on anything they ask. It is really interesting. This word agree literally means in the Greek, lang- in the Greek language to symphonize. Like a symphony, like an orchestra. Jesus wants us to pray together and become a symphony of one sound like an orchestra as we try to win our brothers and sisters back to the Lord. As you pray and you agree, Father, in Jesus' name, let there be peace and harmony and love between me and the body of Christ. Father, I don't want division. Lord, I don't want discord. God, I realize you hate people who sow discord among the brothers. You hate that, God, and I know you hate it. So, Lord, I don't want division in my heart. Father, bring unity. You get with someone and you pray that way. That's what it means when two touch and agree on any one thing. It doesn't mean, again, we can touch and agree because we believe God's going to give us a pink polka-dotted Cadillac. I touch and agree. I touch and agree for a bigger house. I touch and agree my finances will just be more and more and more, and I'll take the Gentiles' money and rob banks in Jesus' name, whatever it is they do. He's talking about unity and fellowship. And when you agree in that case, God is going to do it. And then finally, in verse 20, Jesus says, hey, when you come into symphony with me, then you will experience my presence where two or three are gathered in unity in my name. Bible says, Jesus says, I'm going to show up. I love that. Hey, Raise your hand if you want the Lord to show up on Wednesdays and Sundays every time we gather in this church. Raise your hand if you do. That's all of us. Listen, if we want the Lord to show up and we want his presence in our midst, we want to experience his presence and his power and his peace in our lives here at Calvary Chapel, then we're going to have to walk in love and humility and honesty with each other. And then the presence of God will be seen if we are living, if we aren't living in hypocrisy. The Lord's going to show up. 
He'll be in our midst and, and, and he'll be here with us. And so you say, okay, Rodney, when, what do I do when someone comes seeking restoration and reconciliation? And I, what do I do from there? Well, the next step is, I'll tell you next week. No, how about I tell you right now? One word. You think you know it? Forgive them. Forgiveness, you don't want to miss next week's sermon because that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about this whole thing of forgiving each other. Saints, we got to start this week. Can I encourage you? If you have an ought against someone, you go talk to them privately in confidence. They don't hear you, take a confidant. If they don't hear you, then you get to the elders. But I guarantee you, if you're talking to somebody who is filled with the Spirit, and I believe you are, then, then they'll, they'll hear you, and you'll be walking in love at the end of the conversation. How many times have you confronted somebody and you thought it was going to be bad, and it wasn't that bad, because at the end, you said, hey, I did something wrong, and you did something wrong, and I forgive you, and you forgive me? Yeah, give me kids. And it's all good. Because we're family, and that's the way family's supposed to act. Isn't that right? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 293 That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.